0: So this happened, serious, junior year of college. We're going to my grandparents, but to go to my grandparents, we meet at my parents. We being like my immediate family, siblings, but I think it was just my brother, not my sister. Um, But we're going to meet at that house to then go into my grandparents. And I actually can't recall like what the event and a lot of the context uh, around this Um, maybe because of like what actually happens just you know takes all my memory uh, up but my parents live out in Delton Michigan I was going to college um, school at Western Michigan University so I was going from Kalamazoo to Delton which Delton is a rural community out in kind of the country which is dark right the country has darkness that the city doesn't just because there isn't light pollution that makes it in Star, it's amazing, because you can see stars and this kind of stuff, but it it is darker in the country than it is in the city. And I'm going out there to my parents. My parents live in an old country farmhouse. Super nice, it could be like in the magazine, country living, like really cool. But it is a farmhouse, and it is the country, and it is darker in the country than it is in the city. Um, So we're all meeting there to go to my grandparents. And then for whatever reason, again, this is part of the story. I, I, it doesn't really make sense. I'm the first one to get home. I don't know why my parents aren't home, if we're all meeting there with their work schedules and so. I just can't put it all together. But all I know is I, I was the first one home. I was there alone, in the old country farmhouse in the country, kind of in the dark. And I'm any who who's scared of the dark? Like I'm scared of the dark. I don't cry and become incapacitated and stuff like that, but like I'm on high alert when it's dark, okay? Um, some others? I think I saw some hands going. Like nightlights, those aren't <laughs> just for babies. Nightlights are so you don't fall, you know? Something horrible could happen in the night. <laughs> um, so where am I at? Oh, yeah, my parents, I'm alone. It's the country. It's dark. Um, they have a cool stereo system. So I've got some music on. I do not have many lights on. I, I don't know exactly why, but the house, I just turned one or two lights on, uh, turned the music on. I was listening to something, but then I decided to go to some rave music, like house rave. Like, And I'm not all into that. I'm not all really into one genre of music, just listen to a bunch of different stuff. And I have no idea why I was in the mood for that, if I was, whatever. But... I turn that on in this old country, old country farmhouse in the country where it's dark and all this kind of stuff, and it's kind of like this. Mike, like let's take the lights down. Let's put on some rave music a minute. It's not like I was there dancing and having my own little rave party or anything, but. That's right. Woo. That's it. Right? That Again, you got to see, country farmhouse, dark, <laughs> Yeah, a little louder, Mike, a little louder, like, to get the real, like, what? Okay, music down, but, so if you're already scared of the dark, why would you do that to yourself in the first place, but I'm sitting in the kitchen, the stereo's in the family room area, and, like, something comes in to the house, like, for real, for real, not someone, but something, and I'm in the kitchen, and it's in the family room that I see, like, a shadow, but not of someone, but a shadow of something, and, like, all the oxygen, every bit of air in the whole house feels like it is vacuumed out. I am spooked in my soul. Because I am not there alone and I'm the only one there. All right, lights back up, Mike. But I I no kidding aside, like it was this horrific moment of just something happening where I felt like there was nothing. It was like this free fall. It was not just being in the dark. It was like utter darkness. And as I've thought more about it and talked a little bit more about it, what darkness is is not anything. It's actually, darkness is just the absence of light. You can't make something dark by adding darkness. You can only make something light by adding light and make it less dark. But where I was was like, it was dark. There was no light. There wasn't anything. And the best, the best way I can think of describing it is, is it was like the absence of God. Like everything that I know God to be good and loving and warm and kind and compassionate and merciful and full of grace and even truth and everything that is just God is good and everything that is good is God. It was, there was nothing there. And my soul was like experiencing that. It was ridiculous. Anyone <laughs> show of no hands, right? I'm the only one. No, some others. Yeah. For real, it, it's, it happens. Uh, Jade, I was telling the interns about this a little bit this week. As the, I, the story was coming back because of what we're talking about and stuff like that. And I was asking her, she's like, so what do you think it is, uh, was, and she has a British accent. Do you think, it, I can't do a British accent. I was just about to try, but it goes somewhere between Irish and British and Australian. So I go all over the place, yeah. Um, she said, do you think it was a demon? What do you think? Like, this could be a moment we could talk amongst ourselves a minute. Like, what do you think entered that room or what that I saw that was in that space that spooked me? Okay, we don't, no time for the discussion, but like, I, I would kind of say now, I think it was. It, I think it was a, a demon Came into that space, and I entirely felt that in the darkness that comes with demons and what it would be like. And again, I don't, I was in a relationship with God, right? And I was definitely in like a season of lostness, but more like the sheep that was lost. I was a sheep, but I, I was definitely going through lostness and messed up and making stupid decisions and wondering about stupid things in my life and stuff, but um, it was crazy. Okay, but that's only part one of the story, because part two is the rest of my family gets home and we go to my grandparents. To make a long story less long, we go, we we get there, we visit, we go to bed. I have a room that I'm sleeping in that uh, has two twin beds, a nightstand, an alarm clock between me and then my brother is in that other bed. My parents are in the bedroom next door in the double bed, And something happens in in the middle of the night where I go into, like, this death rage, like this death moan, rage, bat the lamp in the alarm clock off the nightstand, jump on my brother, and start choking him. For real. Right? Okay, that's what I, what you're feeling, the shock, too, like I was, that was happening. So my parents come running into the room and they're thinking my brother and I were being slain because the room we had, we're in, had like some big picture windows in the area that they lived in and this kind of stuff, whatever, that all they could think of from the noise that was happening in the room and what they heard would be, that were being slain. And I was joking last service. Not killed, not murdered, not attacked. My mom's words afterwards was just like, I thought you were being slain. <laughs> that, like, I don't even know what the exact difference, but it sounds worse, doesn't it, than being killed would be to be slain. Um, yeah, so that, that absolutely happened, and what, well, what I remember feeling was that same absence of everything, absence of God, and Jen, then just a death moan, noise coming from me and out of me that turned into like this bit of rage that attacked my brother. And that's just crazy, right? Because that happened. And I th- again, I think I felt the absence of God and how horrible and how horrific and how horrifying darkness is. Because darkness is where God isn't. Again, it doesn't exist. It's just there's nothing there. It's like good and evil. Evil is not something. It's just the absence of good. And it's horrible. And I was there and I have had probably for several years moments, less and less over time, that that would happen to me at night and I'd be back in that space. And it Really, I almost now can look at it. It, it was so powerful. It's like a, kind of, a, I would share this like as a testimony because I know what God's absence feels like, right? Isn't that hell? Isn't that annihilation? Isn't that where the other option after death is the absence of God is why hell is bad? It's not like torturous things. Just take God out of the picture. That is the torturous thing. It's horrible and it's horrifying. It's horrifying. Today, however, we are talking about light. Whew! Isn't that good news? We are talking about light, and we're talking about presence, but I feel like this story is important because I everything I was reading and studying and putting this together, it's from this place of absence that I'm talking from, like this fear of having this absence of God and therefore knowing the need differently and having a, a different interest or curiosity in the need because I know absence. Show, show me the presence. i got to have that. That's such a big deal. So today, as we're continuing the series, the I Am statements of Jesus that are focusing on his identity and who he is in this world, who he is to us and the difference that that can make, we're diving into the book of John where the uh, seven I Am statements are, and we're actually on the second one today. But the the first thing is the book of John, it's cool to note about that, that it's written, Kind a widely thought that it's written for new believers or not yet believers, and the heart of John writing this gospel is so that people can clearly know that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Christ, that he's, like the, he's the Savior, he is that. He's not just Jesus. And he's not cool, Jesus, or neat Jesus, or Rabbi Jesus, or amazing leader Jesus. Like, no, like he is the Christ. He is the answer for everything. He's the Messiah. And where this was being delivered, as we get into this, I am the light of the world statement of Jesus, this it just makes a profound sense of such such a simple statement um, that Jesus is the Christ. 1 John 5, 13 kind of points to this same mentality, again, that the the Bible is written for this, but the book of John that much more. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you can know that you have eternal life. You need to know Christ is the Messiah because in him is life and in him is light. And you can't, like, live a life and you can't let that get far apart from your, your thoughts and your pursuit of him is that he is all of that. And you need him, and you need him desperately in your life. Because darkness, you, you cannot handle darkness. We were not made for darkness. It's the absence of God. So the book of John is just powerful because it's just trying to clarify this, and it makes sense then that the I am statements would be laced throughout the book so that we would know and get this identity of Jesus uh, more accurately, Uh, Realized in our lives. John chapter 8, verse 12, is our centering verse for the morning. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not ever walk in darkness, but will have light and will have the light of life. The context of this is Jesus is speaking at the end of a week-long festival known as the Festival of Tabernacles. He's had several other moments that he's given some teachings and made some claims, addressed the Pharisees, but in this one, they've kind of regathered. That's why it kind of says Jesus spoke again to the people. They had regathered back around him, and he announces that he is the light of the world. And it is he who can overcome darkness. He is the light of life. The setting of this is everything, especially to that immediate audience of Pharisees, Sadducees, other believers or others already practicing the Jewish faith because at the, tabernacle, uh, the festival of Tabernacle that was this week-long celebration, that is what they were all there for. And where this was taking place was in the temple courts where there were candelabras that were the light that Jesus was actually saying he was. I am the light of the world. When you're standing under a 75-foot candelabra that has been lit for the last seven days and has been entirely celebrated, the festival of the tabernacle is also known as the festival of lights because it's all about this light thing, and the light thing is all about the darkness thing, the absence of God. The light is all about God's presence, and then what happens when God shows up and we have his presence, that we have protection, that we have uh, his leadership, we have his guidance in our lives. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Jesus is claiming then in this space, under this candelabra, at the end of this week and this festival, that he is that light. I am, I am that light, and I am everything that that light represents. to get fuller meaning of what that all means and what it meant to that crowd, you kind of have to know the Old Testament. Actually, there's probably not a more powerful Christ follower than a Messianic Jew. A Messianic Jew is a Jewish person who has realized for real, for real, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is. And so they are Christian, but they've been brought up in all the deep, rich tradition of the Jewish faith and the Jewish practice that would know all of this stuff that Jesus really that is m- much more of a drop the mic and a mic drop moment when Jesus says I am the bread of life in that setting like that little simple statement everyone would be like oh, what are you kidding me freaking out about that kind of a claim being made So let's do a deep dive, as my good friend Troy Evans and I would say. Let's become nerds for a minute and go dive deeper into the text to see, like, what were they thinking and what did that all associate with? Because Jesus was saying, I am the light, but it it was like a crazy claim that associates with some other things from this backstory. So let's go there a minute. There's some pictures, so that'll be entertaining, if nothing else. Oh, So, yeah, like, in that verse, Jesus was speaking in the treasury, the part of the temple where the offerings would be given, and the candles burned to symbolize the pillar of fire. So the, those big candle albers are burning with fire to symbolize the pillar of fire that led the people of Israel through the wilderness. The people know that. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. He's saying, I'm, I'm the pillar cloud. I'm the pillar of fire. I am, I am, that is who I am. The pillar cloud, Exodus 13, verses 21 and 22 say this, By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by by night left its place in front of the people because God's presence was there. God was with his people through the pillar cloud and this pillar of fire that represent his presence. God gave the Hebrews a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire so that both day and night that he would be with them and that he would be with them on the journey. And the with them, I'm not getting stuck trying to say those words. I'm just saying like with them, like in them, like Jesus is today in us and we're in him and he's in the Father and the Father is in him and he is the Word and we are the Word and we are in the Word and the Word is in us and Christ is the light and we are the light and the light is in us and the light is life. Like God is with them like that. That's what he's saying. and That's what the cloud was showing them, a cloud by day that had fire within it by night, that I'm, I am with you and you can be with me. And you will not then be in darkness or have the absence of me in your life. Check out this cool picture, right? Isn't that freaky? Think of being in the desert and seeing that. That would be, I mean, that would be insane. But that's God showing up. And that's what Jesus is saying to those around him, like, I'm that. I am fulfilling that. I am that actual presence. I am with you. I've read some things that, like, they were, some even say, like, that one of the first sighting or seeing of Jesus would be the fire because that's him. That's a little crazy for me, but in this all, you know, kind of in and us and all together presence stuff, yeah, I can agree with that. So this with them kind of thing that the pillar cloud represents that, again, Jesus is in the temple courts and he's under the candle that everyone knows that's what it's pointing to, that pillar cloud. And that actually has a lot to do with the tabernacle, Exodus 25, 8 and 9. Then have them make a sanctuary. So this is God talking to Moses. Kind of the pillar cloud thing is already on the scene but here's some further direction for um, Moses from God. Have them make a sanctuary for me where I can dwell so I can be with them, so I can be among them. Make this tabernacle and all of its furnishings exactly like the pattern that I will show you. Here's a picture of the tabernacle. Yeah, make it like that because that's where I'm going to be. I'm going to dwell And I'm I'm that fire, I'm the pillar cloud, I'm the pillar of fire that I want to be with my people. I want my people to be able to be with me and know my presence that can lead and guide them and give them peace and direction in life. Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world, but he's also saying, I am the pillar cloud. And he's also saying, I am the tabernacle. Through me you dwell with the Father. No one can dwell with the Father except through me. No one can overcome darkness except through me. I'm the light. He's also saying that he is the glory of the Lord. Exodus 40, verse 34 through 38. Then the Lord covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled in on it and the glory of the Lord then filled the tabernacle. In all, the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted above the tabernacle, they would set out. So it was God really leading them and guiding them by his presence coming close and settling in or then moving so that they would then follow it like Jesus in our lives. We follow Jesus in that same way. When he settles in, we settle in, and when he moves, we move with him, right? We're followers of Jesus. We're followers of the light. We're following the pillar cloud and the pillar of fire, who's Jesus. And all the travels, verse 36. Did I already read that? Probably. Okay, thanks, man, thanks. (laughs) In all of the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they stayed put until the day it lifted and then they would move out. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during their travels. So it's not really wherever they would go, he would go. No, he was ahead of them in all of that. He was leading and guiding him with his presence that they were after. Jesus is the light of the world, which means the pillar cloud, which means the tabernacle, which means the glory shining and leading and guiding and coming in. And this lampstand deal that was part of the tabernacle was part of the practice of remembering the pillar of fire. We know it as the menorah and we know it from Hanukkah, and it continues to celebrate and all point back to the pillar of fire. It was also pointing forward to Jesus, but if you remain a Jew, you still have the menorah, you just don't think Jesus is the Messiah, but God gave us the menorah to say this fire, and it's aimed forward, will be fulfilled in the Messiah that all of this light is pointing to because he will be the light. He will breathe the light, and he will bring the life that comes through that. I won't dive into the text there, but we got a picture of the lampstand, I think, too. five Just over five feet tall because of how God told them to make it, like, so many 18 hands high. I think they had to do it all out of gold, and it was supposed to be, like, all out of one slab of gold that it was all made, and every, I mean, there is so much... I'll call it ridiculous, but I don't tell God I said his word is ridiculous because that would that'd be horrible. Wait, but he's, yeah, okay. So, but yeah, full of symbolism, but the symbolism is all pointing back and pointing forward. And it's the same thing that God is light and he overcomes darkness and this light wants to dwell and be with us and among us. And it's pointing to Jesus who's going to be that, who is now that so that we can have all that. Yeah, Jesus is the light of the world. Following him, there is no darkness. We will not walk in darkness with the presence of his light in our lives. That's why we've got to realize him as that and accept him. And like John is writing, we have to know, like we've got to know that that is the case, that all that was written so that we could know that that is who Jesus is, that he is the Christ, that he is the light, that he brings the life that God has created us for and has made, like he said, I'm not just your light and this light. I'm the light of the world. It's so that all the world may know. So, five things then to think about. Jesus is God's presence in our lives and can be in our lives that assure us of his leading direction and guidance. But there are five things that I think bring that into like daily living. Uh, around here, there's quite a few of us memorizing these assurance verses. It's part of some of the discipleship we're doing around here. If you want to be a part of memorizing these so that the light can be with you, the light can be in you, because the word is in you and you are in him, and it all works that way, right? Um, talk to me or someone else who's memorizing them already. But the assurance of salvation, God's presence assures us of salvation. And we can, like, really know that we know that. 1 John 5, 11 and 12, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God is going to get freaked out at their parents' house listening to rave music because there's going to be darkness, and the demon from the darkness is going to show up, and then they're gonna, not going to know what in the world happened. Or something like that. But r- really, that again, from my junior year, which I would have been 21, to about 26, was really like Christ coming fully alive in my life and me fully following Him beyond like a loving God and trying not to sin, life, but like really wanting to be a Jesus follower. And this, these verses are the light. This is like I light these verses so that that light is around me and I'm looking at it and I'm remembering it. Assurance of salvation, assurance of answered prayer, number two, John 16, 24. Until now you've not asked for anything in my name, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. And in my name is the deal, like in his name. Uh, Another memory verse on the answered prayer is, if you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. It's this dwelling picture, like, we're, we're together, we're knitted, we're um, uh, uh, with, he is with us and we are with him. And that's how answered prayer and prayer happens. And prayer is just dwelling, dwelling together so that like your wills and wants move in and mesh together with what God has for us and then we want what he wants and he helps us go after that assurance of answered prayer that from his presence and knowing that he is that light and he can come into our life. It gives us that. The assurance of forgiveness, First John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, if we confess darkness, things that have happened, things we've done that are the absence of God or done in the absence of God or have, are done in opposition to him or um, direct, like, you know, not what he wants us, not how we were created to live or be. We can be forgiven of that, confess that, because he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and show up as light in that darkness and purify us from all that unrighteousness. That we can be assured of that knowing he is the light. He can lead and guide and, and direct our lives as we know that and do things that help us remember that and live it out every day. We can be assured of victory. Whatever, whatever it is we're up against, no temptation has seized you or overtaken you except what is common to man. God is faithful, though. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Because he's with you. He's present. He's a pillar of fire. He's a tabernacle. His glory is with you all the time. It's right there. That's the power of him being light. And the light of the world And lastly, assurance of guidance is just all over that, that guidance. That's what the pillar was all about in its um, origin of uh, dwelling with, to then be able to guide. Proverbs three, five and six: "Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Know that He is that light. Put your faith and that he is that light. Put your trust in that he is that light, and he will show up. So Jesus is the light of the world. In following him, there can be no darkness. With his presence in our life, we we win. No fear of the darkness. But with light, we get his presence and we get these assurances of life and indwelling of God in us and freedom through forgiveness and victory over opposition and battle and fight and then a a path that we can walk and walk and walk and walk and walk on, and he promises to be with us the whole time. Let's pray together. We're so thankful for your presence in this place, Heavenly Father. Thankful for your Holy Spirit, who now dwells in us, moves among us, moves through us, and it's you, and it's light. Give us eyes to see that, give us ears to hear that, give us minds to conceive how that looks, how we can be faithful to that how we can make that the center of everything that we're living for make you the center of everything we're living for i pray for each of us here this morning that you would come in that we would receive that we would light the candle that shows your presence that you made possible through your son and his life being given for ours. His light going out so ours could come alive. Help us think about that more deeply. Help us take thoughts of this into our week ahead. Help us have conversations that help one another and others know your light and the goodness you bring. And may we reflect you well as we go. So we thank you. We love you. We're thankful for your word that unpacks all this. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.